Well, it's an absolute joy to be joined by Jay Pathak here, who's the pastor of a family of churches, um, of neighbourhood churches in Denver. And you've been to KXC a few times, spoken at our weekend away, which was an unbelievable gift. So huge welcome to you, Jay. We've basically been asking friends and family, people that we've been learning from over years and tracking with, the same two questions. Question number one, launching really from Matthew 16, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, look, you can look at the sky and you can forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? So we've been asking our friends to give their best attempt at articulating what do you think the Spirit of God is doing right now in the church, in the culture? And second question, a bit more personal, is what are you learning? in this moment of lockdown, quarantine, this crazy time? What is God teaching you? So let's start with the first question then, Jay. Um, yeah, what, what do you see God doing right now and how can we jump on board what God's up to? Yeah, to, to what you're saying, I, I every single day I'm praying for the church, for our city, for the, for the world. I have the same thought has come to mind every single morning in this pandemic. And it's a quote I heard, I've heard, attributed to a lot of different people, you know, so it's like most quotes. I'm not sure who actually said it. Um, So whenever I've, whenever I've lost track of who said it, I, I just decide it's mine. It's it's become my quote. I, I heard, I've heard multiple people say that, you know, the church in the West specifically has become a bad chess player. And what bad chess players do is, they use their queen too much and they move their queen all over the board to try to control the board. Great chess players sparingly use their queen um, and usually they win the game with their queen and their rook after they've aligned everything else. Wow. And what seems to me to be happening specifically to the church in the West is we've lost our queen, so to speak. We've relied really heavily on our Sunday experiences yeah, and maybe even a series of other little programs that have helped us sort of get certain kinds of things done that sort of made an end round around just some simple, clear discipleship. Yeah. And the best way you teach a person to play chess is you take their queen off the board. And then at some point, you put the queen back on. You know, when they position the board the right way and you say, look, look how easy it is to win now with yeah. the queen. And so one thing this pandemic has done is made it so that we can't rely on a lot of the things we've relied on. And specifically Sunday gatherings and some of our processes and programs. And what I'm encouraged by, and then other days really discouraged by, is how we have lost... Um, so much of our ability to just be disciples yeah. and make disciples and learn how to depend on the movement and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our own lives yeah. and in small and simple gatherings. And how many are flailing because we can't do the thing we've always done. And my prayer is, much like the way that you teach a chess player, the Lord is teaching the church— um, by taking away some of those things so that when we do get the opportunity to gather again, when we get, do get to run the things we've always run, which I love. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about any of those things. Um, 
I mean, the queen is a powerful piece on the board, you know. Uh, but when we do get together, we will learn something that enables us to engage culture, to be the people of God differently. And so that's my, I've been praying that every day that we learn in this time. Uh, we've been doing a little sermon series called Finding Faith in the Wilderness. And, mm. and God's main method of shaping his people is to strip them and to make them vulnerable yeah. and dependent on him. So I, I think that's clearly what's happening to the church. And some people are flailing. Some people are creatively adapting. Other people are just hunkering down and waiting for it all <laughs> to pass over. You know, like, I don't know, eventually this will be done. Let's just tread water until we can do what we used to do. And I'm really encouraged by the churches that are saying, no, we're not just going to tread water. We're going to take a hard look at who we are and what we're doing and how we live. And more than that, notice the anxieties and the pressures and the weak spots that are being revealed within us. Yeah. Uh, weak spots in our marriages. Yeah. Weak spots in our budgets. Uh, you know, it turns out all that stuff we've learned about for years, um, like you should have some margin in your budget. Mm. You might need a Sabbath to create space to rest in the Lord. Uh, it turns out those things are true. So, you know, when the pressure comes, you actually have something to fall back into, rely on, um, to, to, that you've learned how to be dependent on the Lord when things are going well. Yeah. So that you can depend on when things are not going well. So I, my prayer and hope is we don't waste this moment. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, I wanted to become a crisis agency at first. My, my first few moves were, you know, the church just rushed into the problems that when the pandemic hit, they were the first people, the front lines that reached out, they were willing to die. You know, let's all do what we got to do. We're going <laughs> to demonstrate Jesus to the world. And, and there was a really clear awareness for me with our church and about every church I know that we're not who we thought we were. Yeah. We're not as thick inside yeah. as we thought we were. Um, so that feels, I hope that doesn't feel too corrective. I think it's an invitation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's entirely right. I think we felt that at KXC. I think many of us individually have felt that this stripping back mm. and that, you know, without the queen, I think we are being invited into a really critical moment of spiritual formation. We are in mm -hmm. a wilderness. We all feel that. We are being formed. Just talk us through then, because for a lot of us, the manifestation of this at first is panic. Oh, my yeah. gosh, I can't survive. I'm a horrible husband. I'm a bad dad. You know, I'm selfish. I don't have enough patience. You just become aware of the brokenness and the insecurity. Yes. As that begins to rise, I know you've done a lot of thinking about this and now you're coaching pastors, business communities in essentially discipleship and spiritual formation. What do you do when you hit that moment of crisis? Well, this doesn't, what I'm about to say isn't very pleasant. Break it to me. Hit me with it. Yeah. Well, when you say, what do I do? I think what you're trying to ask me is what should I do? And what, what, I, what, I, what I would say is the first thing you should notice is what do you actually do? So what I just confessed was my moves are to get active. So the way that I manage my anxieties and my awareness of my brokenness is by 
doing as much as I can so I don't feel bad. That might not be true for everyone. Other people curl up in a ball and want to die. <laughs> um, um, other people self-soothe in ways that are really unhelpful. You know, I mean, you can see all the pornography and the alcohol and all the things that are happening right now culturally, too. And, of course, none of those are helpful. Yeah. I mean, I've had horrible realizations, Pete, through my, I mean, last 15 years that I, I, I've had to wonder at different points of my ministry simply so as a means of managing, like, my own pain and dysfunction. Yeah. I think a lot of the ways I did ministry was because I thought if I could help other people, somehow I'd feel better about myself. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, as I say that, I hope you realize, and I hope anyone would realize, that's not that's not going to work. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. Works a little bit. That's why we do it. <laughs> I mean, like, getting, getting a little drunk helps when you're really sad. Uh, but it's short-lived. Yeah. And it, and it increases the consequences. It, they compound. And so I guess what I would want to say is first, pay attention. Notice the movements of your own soul. Do not be afraid of sadness and grief because it's as we become aware that we experience some pain and some sadness, that the, that's the fuel for transformation. Yeah. Number one. The number two externalize that by including some other people and specifically including God. You know, just put these things in front of God. Say, God, I think I'm realizing I am, you know, I'm not a good husband. And I've used my money to mostly take care of myself. Or, you know, I think technically I was giving maybe even 10%, but I took the rest and pushed it to the edge where I'm in debt. And I don't know what I've done. Why do I live like this, Lord? Who am I? Why am I like this? God, I've realized I, I don't really, I love my kids, but I don't like my kids very much. <laughs> and there's parts of whatever stage they're in that I, I don't know how to manage. And it yeah. brings up my own stuff and I don't like it. Yeah. And when you put these things before God, and hopefully if you trusted friends, what you're really pressing, what you're testing is, do I believe the gospel? Yeah. The gospel says there's nothing I can do that will make me more loved. So I can't make him love me more. And there's nothing that I can do that will make him love me less. So in other words, when we put these things in front of God, it's not like God's going, wow, this is some new information, <laughs> you know, like, you know. Oh, this is worse than I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, this changes things, okay? <laughs> so uh, I'm not, now we're gonna, we're gonna have to reconfigure the nature of this relationship. Now that you bring this to my attention, it's as though the Lord, like a good parent says, oh son, I've known this a long time. You know, oh daughter, I know, I know. I'm so glad you're seeing this. You know, let's have a talk. And I think that the sort of move of a lot of pastors or friends is to say, oh, it's not that bad, or you're doing great, or, you know, just think about how screwed up everybody else is, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not like them, you know, so that's cool. But that isn't the, the voice of the Lord, almost ever for me. The Lord comes and says, oh, son, 
I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. And this is really, you know, here's here's what's interesting, Jay. Uh, it's so much worse than you know. <laughs> like, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. Um, but, you know, this is, it's much worse than this. Um, but I love you more than you can imagine. Yeah. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. And, and it's the grace of God to start to notice these movements and these patterns. It is grace. It's grace. It's love. And it, and, and we encounter the gospel afresh. That's what I believe. I mean, I, I just, I feel so moved hearing it again because it's those moments when you realize the voice of the Father is just so tender and so beautiful. And even those of us that have followed Jesus for years, when you're reminded that this is a, a story and a relationship marked out by grace, it's just so beautiful. So, you know, you've mentioned this kind of like the, the realization of that moment of like, oh, this is who I am. I know you've done a lot of thinking about, okay, this is how I became who I am. So a lot of people in lockdown, they've realized, oh gosh, it's, this is who I am. And maybe some are beginning to ask the question, how did I get here? And I know you've done a chunk of thinking around family of origin stuff. Yeah. Just talk us through, you know, why understanding that stuff actually helps us bring our full selves into the grace of God. Yeah, I, I would just say the unique ways in which we can be broken are pretty much limitless, right? So... <laughs> So when we say that God has rescued us from sin, when we say that we believe that God is making us a new creation, those things are entirely true. So we are new creations in Christ. But it only takes about 10 seconds of living a new life with God to realize that you're, you're still carrying around whoever you were with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not some kind of magic trick. Where all of a sudden, like, boom, I'm like a whole different person. Like, my, <laughs> I think differently. I, that's not true. Um, and so it does take some analysis, which would be the, 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 the kind of theological idea would be sanctification, which is I am saved, but how am I becoming more like Jesus? And the unique ways in which I have been corrupted and broken and the ways that I've interacted with that are sophisticated and frankly... They're difficult to notice because they're the only things I know to do. Yeah. So um, they're subtle. So for me, um, you know, like in this pandemic, just to talk very directly about now, you know, I'm teaching to cameras, okay, like all the time. And I don't like it. Like just straight up, I don't like it. So, so the ways that I've described not liking it is, you know, I don't get to feel the reaction, the response of people. You know, and that's hard for me. And that's how I like teaching, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But a little deeper analysis tells me I need the feedback to feel like I'm valuable. When I don't get to hear the room laugh, I don't get to have that moment of ministry. There's something true and good about me wanting to see God move in people's lives firsthand. That's great. There's also something a little weird there where I'm... I'm needing it in order to feel like what I do is valuable and interesting. Yeah. When the truth is, and what pastors all say is, you know, I just preach for an audience of one. You know, I, <laughs> I, I lead worship for an audience of one. You know, it's really just the Lord and you're just here watching. And well, it turns out that's not entirely true for me, Pete. And okay, 
I can let that take hold of me and create shame where I start asking, what's going on here? And the truth is I was raised in a family that was very performance oriented. I, 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 now, whether it was true or not, or whether it was intended or not, it doesn't matter. What I interpreted was if I did good, I was loved well. I, I was loved. And if I didn't, I wasn't. And the only way I got attention in my little family system was by performing because everybody was too distracted otherwise. And so, you know, having to grapple with, I formed some ways of understanding who I am in relationship to what I could do. And I took some of that stuff and I stuck it right into ministry as I came, became a believer. And you know, God's so gracious. He just went, okay, we can work with that. I can work with that. You know, like <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll help you. But somewhere along the line, he loves me too much. And he says, hey, son, we're going to have to talk about this. Yeah. And if you really want to know me, we're going to have to do this differently for your sake and for what I want to do in and with you. So that takes some analysis to notice even good ways that I'm showing up in the world and impressing people and doing something interesting actually has sort of an underbelly to it that God intends to deal with. And that's true about everything. I mean, there's nobody that wakes up one day and says, you know, I have a five point plan. You know, if I drink enough regularly, I bet I can ruin my life within like one year. I can do it. If I stick with the plan, I will dismantle my entire life or I can destroy my marriage. If I just keep interacting like this, you know, every time something happens, I'm just going to be spiteful and I can destroy my marriage. It's going to take six months. I'm going to stick to the plan. But we do that and it's because we're operating on some other operating system that's running in the background. Um, like a good computer, you don't even know the operating system's running. <laughs> but it's running. And what we don't realize is how that's glitching and creating negative impact in our life. And we've even spiritualized it a lot of times. And that takes some analysis. It takes some time to, wow. to separate those things and hopefully some good coaching and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you can get that work done in the wilderness in a way you can't yeah. in the middle of your normal life. And I think that's probably what's happening for many of us is actually yes. God pointing his finger on some areas and his grace is beginning to redeem the operating system. And my hope and prayer is that we could come out of this wilderness like Jesus in Luke 4, empowered by the Spirit. Amen. Ready to engage in ministry in a whole new way. Well, one other question, Jay, like you're an evangelist, you're a natural evangelist. Like we've heard at KXC when you came and did our weekend away, you sharing stories of you just like doing some nuts things, sharing your faith. This is a moment of phenomenal spiritual hunger. Like some of the stats in the UK right now, 24% of the population have attended an online service in lockdown. In wow. the sort of 18 to 30 demographic, it's 34%. Like this is crazy. When you think of like the UK often known as a place where the church is dying, hemorrhaging. So there's an incredible moment of spiritual hunger. What, what are you doing to try and actually proclaim your faith to those that are spiritually searching at this time? Yeah, I mean, well, first and foremost, I'm, and I'd agree, all, all the observations are my experience. So first and foremost, I'm just trying to maintain connection and contact with those that I know don't have any faith yeah. that I've already had relationship with. I mean, it sounds like a simple step, but 
it's really important that all of us who have coworkers, friends, neighbors, family members, just maintain contact. What I'm really aware of, Pete, is how many people that don't have any faith, they never had a close enough connection. They don't have close enough connections with people they worked with or went to the gym with. Or, I mean, I play golf, played golf with. So they have friends, but nobody that they'd be like, hey, we should get on a Zoom. I mean, it just would feel too, like an overreach, mm. you know, like. And so when I reach to them and say, hey, man, I've not talked to you in a while. I just love to check in. Let's just somebody maybe I play golf with. They're like, really? I'd love to do that. But their security or their courage to do that on their own is really low. So I'm shocked at how many folks I'm connecting with that literally aren't connecting with anyone else. Now that's bizarre for me because I'm living on this stupid thing called Zoom. Like, I mean, I feel, I just wanna like throw my computer out the window most days, but I project that onto others. And I'm thinking, well, that's where everybody's at. It's not, the, the, the loneliness that we knew was there before this is only being accentuated now. And so when I'm reaching to folks that I had just sort of tertiary relationships with from the gym, on the golf course, they're like, I'd love to talk. And the level of depth that we're getting to, I don't know what it is. Is it because we have a little more distance? They can be a little more brave. You know, we're on the screen. Is it that they're desperate? Is it I'm more intentional because I'm in a moment that's focused? You know, I'm not playing yeah. golf or doing something else. I don't know. I don't know. Some combination of all that stuff. Or is it something God's doing? Is creating super intentional moments um, with people. So I would say first and foremost, before we figure out whatever else, just remain connected. Make yeah, make make moments to be with people. And then obviously God's doing incredible things through things like Alpha, the Sunday experiences online, like you said. I mean, it feels like the the hurdle, the barrier's been lowered so much. Yeah. That like people don't have to wonder, am I going to wear the right thing? Are they going to do something to me if I show up? They're just like, I don't know. If I don't like it, I'll just turn it off. You know, they won't even know I was there. So there's something good about that where people are it's checking church things out. It's coming to church in your pajamas, isn't it? Totally. We're, We're all Which is dream. helping church people too, I think. You're right. So I, I've just asked people to do really simple things, which is... Just invite people on your Facebook feed. Invite people when you're talking to them. Hey, check this out. And and then even create follow-up environments. Yeah. Hey, after you get a chance to listen to this, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, Let's brilliant. talk about it. So my uh, – and you, you've probably heard this from me before, Pete. My, my basic leaning is to empower people to do the connecting work. Less than create the programs that we're doing it for them. So – Relational connections, quick conversations, ask good questions, and specifically anyone that has any generalized anxiety of any kind or has had depression, this is the right time to make connections because I don't know about you guys and what you're seeing in the UK, but here, I'd say in the last 10 days, something has tipped. So we're, I, I have five different um, folks that are one click, so a friend of a friend who have committed suicide in the last 10 days. Uh, people who are have attempted suicide. People are having different mental breakdowns. Something's tipped in the last seven to ten days. It's like we hit a threshold, and those who were barely holding on are really having a hard time doing that. Which means we got to reach to them. It's just it's just a connection. It's not it's not that hard. 
Um, and then uh, connect them to the help that they need. So anyway, those are the basic things I'm doing and seeing a lot of growth. It's brilliant. Final question then, Jay, which is just personally, what are you learning? What's God doing in your own life? Well, I'm, I'm learning that, um, I love my family. Um, I really do. And I'm super grateful for, you know, my wife worked really hard with our family to create like a quite literal Sabbath for our family before all this. And I just have to admit, by way of confession, I was, resistance not the right word. I I knew this was right. I just kind of was disobedient. That's probably a better word. You know, like we would have the day and I would just be like, I got to get this couple emails done. Like, uh, whatever. She, you know, I mean, we're on Sabbath, but I got to get this done. Or, you know, whatever. Stuff like that. I just kept, I got to do this one phone call and yeah, that's all I'm going to do. And, and every time you do that, when you've set aside time to rest and trust the Lord and be connected, what you're really saying is, God, I know you're in control, but I kind of need need to do some things <laughs> and you know, you're not all the way in control, you know, <laughs> I mean, you might, I know you think you are, but you kind of still need me to do something. So, so anyway, in this time we've been a lot more intentional and because we had that rhythm before this, it's really taken root in this time Wow! and it secured us in a way that I'm confident I I'm praying and believing it'll endure through our, our life. And, you know, we make pasta together. We have all these little rituals we built, and I'm super, super grateful. So that would be positive. I mean, negative is what I said earlier. I, I, I'm aware of all kinds of different ways that I'm validated by my life that are not from God. Yeah. Or for, for God, even, honestly, or for myself. Yes. And so I'm hoping that I can learn to trust and rely on the Lord differently. Amazing in this time so that when we go back to what we're doing, it's like I can operate differently. That's what I'm, I'm praying wow. for. That's Trust stunning. Me. Love that. Yeah. Mate, I, I can see all these books behind you. I know a lot of our guys will be thinking, gosh, look at all those biblical commentaries. They're actually racy novels that you've been enjoying. <laughs> you know, I just thought I'd yeah. you know, share that. Yeah, with actually watching. it's worse than that. They're just like cardboard fronts. You know, there's not, <laughs> they aren't even books. It's like you can buy a pack it's like a picture. You just glue it on to a box. That's really all it is. So. It's, it's just good for our people to know that. Anyway, Jay, thank you so much for your time. What a gift that's been. God bless. Of course. Bless, bless. you.